0: open your thumb with an apple cutter. Yes, I did. <laughs> Jeff, I'm <laughs> gonna. Yeah, gonna, I'm, gonna have I'm not to,
1: laughing like, at you. I'm just.
2: One of our friends sent a Snapchat of him using an apple cutter on his leg instead of
3: like a cutting board, and I was like, what Wait. the hell is wrong with you?" Oh what? my god! What? No, 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 let's not let's not cut. Let's let's <laughs> let's let's not move past the fact that Jeff cut himself on an apple core, and <laughs> and that and that this man owns a home now. Wait, it lives by himself. A core, or or a cutter. cutter. Which one?
0: uh, Was the apple divider thing?
3: The one where you Uh, like push down on it. (laughs) Yeah. And it puts the core in the middle and makes these Mm -hmm. perfectly designed slices. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. The thing with giant safety guards on both sides.
0: (laughs) Yes. No, because (laughs) the way it's designed, it doesn't cut all the way through the apple. So you turn it over and then you start pushing him down to finish mm -hmm. the cut. That's yeah. where I slice my
3: thumb. You know what? I would I would no, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We need to get you an in an in home like nanny or something. Now. This is
1: <laughs> an in home nurse to stay
3: Hello and welcome to Gink and Spiel Podcast. Thank you all for joining us this week, but uh first let's reintroduce ourselves. My name is Jacob.
0: I'm Jeff. I'm Grindelwald.
3: And I'm Sean. <laughs> you are not Grindelwald. You are Emily. <laughs> Grindelwald Grindelwald is dead. Whoa, whoa, spoiler alert.
1: I'm I'm risen, motherfucker.
3: (laughs) Oh, I'm I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I don't want to spoil um, the seventh book.
1: Spoiler alert. Uh,
3: This is a podcast on gaming, pop culture, and random whatever the hell else we want to talk about, such as (laughs) Harry Potter characters and (laughs) other assorted. When
1: do you not want to talk about Harry Potter characters?
3: Oh, my gosh. We could do a whole podcast episode (laughs) on just Harry Potter and not even scratch the surface of the crap I could talk about. (laughs) uh now before we we begin i do have one quick correction from last week in our last podcast uh which was our top 10 new games played in 2017 uh jeff and emily both indicated that ethnos is a good game and i just want to correct that (laughs) and let people know that this is not true uh
0: it is a good game it is it is not this is a correct this is an
3: official geekish feel correction Um,
1: where did you get your facts from
3: uh my facts are from shut up that's where they're from (laughs) <laughs> uh, we got. We got a
1: playtest.
3: We we tried to record, I think, last weekend, and everything fell to crap. Oh, yes. So now we're playing catch up, yes. and I we want to talk about the cool stuff we have been playing lately. So why don't we start off with who wants to be the first victim? I will. Yeah, I, I think will. it should be Jeff.
0: Yes, I volunteer as tribute. Anyway, yeah, for the
3: now Great. Now we owe like for like whatever studio did that like.
0: One board game I've been playing as as of late is actually a uh, Kickstarter that uh, recently released from uh, Simon, or a.k.a. Cool Mini or Not. It was designed by Eric M. Lang, and that game is Rising Sun. People have uh, compared it to... uh, Said that it's kind of a spiritual successor to his other game, Blood Rage, but also.
1: I like this spiritual successor.
0: Yeah.
3: Is that a way of saying like indirect sequel, but it's just kind of a improved copy, like in the way Shadow of the Colossus is a is a spiritual successor to Ico.
0: Kind of, with the game, it has different mechanics than uh, Blood Rage where. Blood Rage, you're drafting cards and you're uh, trying to control different territories around Yggdrasil. In Rising Sun, you're trying to control territories of Japan, but in- instead of drafting cards to uh, build up your forces in attacking, you actually uh, there's actually a lot of negotiation. That I'd say it's closer to diplomacy without. The uh, friendship-breaking uh, possibilities. cause. Uh...
1: But I love those. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the game goes over three rounds and then a scoring round at the end. But basically you're negotiating, uh, you're all- allying with different people and uh, trying to control different areas of Japan. Like uh, Blood Rage, there are a lot of different monsters like... Uh, Rising Sun has dragons, and then they have the Oni, which are uh, basically Japanese demons. And Good. Uh, Good. I've played it twice so far, and I'm loving this game. I really am, because it's not just a. Uh, I backed this game, so I know that I really have to get my hopes up, and then I really have to like it. But the mechanics of it are just. Ah, it's so awesome, just negotiating with people. I haven't won either one, but both times I did actually end up third, technically. Uh, But I've played it so far with five players, and then with a maximum of six players, including the Kickstarter-exclusive clan, And each time I've absolutely loved this game. I recommend it if you have money to burn. Or if you have that friend who can't buy, can't stop buying games like me. Thank God
3: for people like Jeff. <laughs> Jeff, I'm sorry. Did you say how long the game goes? Because with That's five or six people. That's what I was about people, to ask too. Oh man, we're on the same page.
0: With five people, it was our first game. So including uh, teaching, I believe it was uh, three, four hours. It was a long game. But that's game, like that's but, like typical
3: uh, like longer game length. It wasn't like it doesn't sound like it was like eight hours or six hours like a like like that's like scythe length length with a lot of people. So that yeah. doesn't sound too bad to me.
0: Yeah. And the six player game, which was actually la- Friday night, uh that went on for actually went on for four hours because uh we had three three of us had played the game before and then the other half they were brand new to it, so it, again, it took a little bit longer with the teaching, but overall, it was a lot of fun. I just don't suggest playing, starting it at a 9 p.m. and then finding out that it's 2 a.m. by the time <laughs> you finish.
1: Well, now, didn't you say, did I just miss here that said it was three rounds? Or three?
0: Yeah, what it is is that it's broken up into three rounds, which are... And then there are a bunch of different turns that happen between. Them. Okay,
1: <laughs> for some reason I I just like misinterpreted that and I thought it was three turns <laughs> you have and three I
0: was
3: turns like, wait a to
1: minute. Win. That's a <laughs> lot of stuff for just three turns or like three, you know.
0: <laughs> it's split up into what's called political mandates, hmm. and then they're split up into kind of worshipping turns because you have the Japanese gods that you have to go and. Uh, worship as well it's interesting it's hard to really like explain like everything because there's a lot into it but I'm just giving broad strokes here right now and overall it's just a really fun game and we'll definitely I'll definitely have to bring it over for the next time we get together
3: yeah, that sounds like a good idea also I have still not played despite the fact that it's like one of the best games from I think 2015 I still have not played Blood Rage yet <gasps> Oh god. (laughs) And Jeff had (laughs) a stroke.
1: Goodbye, Jeff. (laughs) So (laughs) check. Jeff Jeff cut himself on an apple cord. This podcast was published days later, but we still (laughs) he still needs help.
3: (laughs) Guys, I'm sorry, but Jeff is dead. Oh well, we're getting more board
0: games now. I'm leaving nothing for you, Jacob. (laughs) Damn it! He must live! (laughs) (laughs) Jeff, what else you got? I've gotten in a couple of plays of Ethnos, which is a really good game, despite what Jacob has said. I've played it, I believe, with just about every uh, player count on there, except for two. But we played a three-player game, and it actually turned out very well. And the guys... uh, part of my regular gaming group. They really liked it, a lot. So with Ethnos, it's, again, it's an area control game, so kind of uh a theme of the week here is area control here. It's a set collection slash area control where you're picking up different tribes of uh, uh, mythical creatures like wizards, halflings, minotaurs, and trying to take over this land. We've talked about this a lot on the podcast, so just that it's kind of a, it's a step up from Ticket to Ride. It's not quite a gateway, but it's also not really a heavy, heavy game.
1: It's an interesting um, connection to Ticket to Ride. I wouldn't have thought of that, but I mean, I guess it kind of is.
0: Yeah, because with Ticket to Ride, you're Basically, it's area control because you're trying to control all those different routes. They're kind of uh, adjacent.
3: And you have that kind of set collection thing, too, going on.
0: Yeah. But overall, they're both games are really fun. And artwork on Ethnos, it's wonderful because it it was the same artist who did the uh, uh, book covers for The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. Aww. But... I didn't know that. It doesn't translate well to, uh, board game art, in my opinion, and also the board was very lackluster. But just the mechanics itself really outshines the, uh, looks of the game. So, again, it's not a... If you can judge the book by its content, not its cover, you're... I think you would really enjoy this game.
3: Can I intersect a piece of trivia about that, actually? The artist for Ethnos is John Howe, who is actually a legendary artist and the guy who did not just the covers, but a lot of artwork for Tolkien to the point where he was the main inspiration for Peter Jackson's designs for the movies. So if you look at his artwork, you'll see a lot of similarities between what he created, his interpretation of Tolkien's work, and what turned out in the Lord of the Rings movies. The more you know. Sorry, wow. I
1: was just about to say. <laughs> Dude, we're just on the same wavelength. Today. I know this is
3: this is crazy. This is crazy.
1: We need to play a co-op game today. Yeah, but if we, but if we, but if
3: we, <laughs> I have a feeling that if we come together today, the world's gonna blow up. Clearly, that's what's going to happen. So,
0: I gotta play in with the Dresden Files cooperative card game again from Evil Hat Productions.
1: How did it go? Because Denton at uh, Dice Tower. Um, both you and Jacob say that it was kind of
0: you played it with not... us.
1: I know, but I didn't. You, but y'all had more of a connection to it. Oh, I yeah. had no idea what the Dresden Files were. Um, and didn't y'all say it? It wasn't like uh, everything that you thought it was going to be. Like you still liked it, but wasn't it kind of lackluster at all? Or am I just totally not remembering that correctly?
0: Personally, I love this game. It's a not quite gateway co op game, but it's. Uh, Again, like Ethnos, it's kind of a step up there. I'd say you don't really have to be connected to the uh, source material to enjoy the game. But if you do, you get these little moments of, oh, hey, this is what happened in this book. So, no, this is really cool. So it's it's adjacent to, uh, like, it's kind of like the Marvel What If comics. Uh, That's the best that I would. Uh, uh, appear to, because you're trying to solve different cases and defeat different bad guys, but you have a limited resource to use, so it's really a hand management, kind of like, oh, I really want to play this powerful card, but I think it's best to really get back our resources so then I can help out the other people. Because with this game... It's really tough to win because you're constantly trying to go back and forth on your resources and building up the uh, resources or trying to defeat the bad guys or solve this case. And honestly, I really enjoyed it. And my friends, uh, one of which was a big Dresden Files fan as well, and the other had absolutely no clue about the theme. So same as when UM and I played it, Jacob. But they really actually enjoyed it.
3: So we played it once. And I would give it another playthrough. But to me, it just it didn't excite me as much as I wanted it to. The, the mechanics weren't strong enough to really pull me in. It just felt like a weird, kind of like you said, hand management slash tower defense type thing. It It's... Um, I like that you can play as the different characters and each one has different cards and abilities based on the characters. And the art's great, too. Like, it, it really embodies all the different characters you can play. But, again, this is not what I want from a Dresden Files game. And I I love the property so much and I felt that this is a little too... a little too simple, a little too... doesn't really hit on the head. Doesn't mean I hate it. It just means that it's, it's not one... I don't mind playing it with Jeff if he wants to, like, you know, pull it out, but... I'm. I'm not really gonna purchase this. I don't think. That's my take on it.
0: Yeah, you're not chomping at the bit to uh, play it again.
3: Yeah, I. Yeah, I, I. Unlike the books, in which case I'm already re- rereading them on my Kindle. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're so good. They're so good. You should read them.
0: They are. I have one last game to go over. It's one that the Dice Tower uh, really, really likes. Uh, it's Magic Maze. The mistake I made was that I decided to try to play this after the uh after one of the plays of uh Rising Sun. So everyone was just exhausted and just it fell very flat, unfortunately. But I can see where where the Dice Tower really liked it. We uh played it majorly correctly <laughs> and I was just tired and we were and we were all just like, "Yeah, no, <laughs> we're not gonna reset." So, I'll probably try to get a uh, try to get another play in with this eventually. Jacob, when you and Anita come up, uh, if you want, we can give that a try.
3: No, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. because this game seems interesting to me. I think Anita might like it.
0: Yeah, because with Magic Maze, it's a cooperative game where you don't control a character. You control that direction of movement any of those characters can go. And you're all trying to go through this small and find the uh, the equipment that those heroes need so then they can go back and go uh, dungeon diving again because they were horrible and lost all their, all their equipment. Kind of like Clank. Yeah, kind of like Clank. <laughs> Overall, I definitely want to give this one another try. Uh, to see if it, it was just the uh, timing or if it's something that uh, just my group won't really like. So eh, I'll give it another try eventually.
1: You know, when you're talking about when Jacob and Anita were coming up, I'm coming up too, actually. <laughs> Marie sent me an invite. <laughs> so. So
3: hey, you want to fly into LaGuardia? Go, awesome. go ahead. <laughs> also, I checked the weather there next weekend. It's going to be below freezing at night, I think. Oh, good. <laughs> Thank, thanks, Jeff.
0: Oh, Jacob, don't worry about the weight of your suitcase. That's totally not M just crunched in there.
3: (laughs) (laughs) M, you can't sneak in my suitcase. You can't sneak in my suitcase. That space is for bagels. I got to bring more bagels back.
1: You do need to bring bagels. But if I go, I can just eat them all. You
0: could. You could get them fresh instead of frozen. Hey. I know it's not perfect, but it's the
3: best we can do. <laughs> it's all I can offer. It's all amazing. I can offer. Uh, so
1: I just love this idea that your suitcase is full of bagels. Like, no clothes, no toiletries.
3: It's half bagels. true, because we really do save room for, like, a ton of bagels. They take up a lot of space.
2: <laughs> I mean, why would you need clothes if you can have bagels? <laughs> exactly. Like, you just wear the same pair of clothes. You can't keep eating the same bagel.
1: very true the wise (laughs) words of Sean
3: (laughs) I'm going to stitch that on something (laughs) alright so I got a bunch of stuff I want to talk about so I'm going to try and get through this pretty quickly because I don't want to waste too much time the first one is Mansions of Madness second edition I have played this Ah. three times each time I've only played the very first scenario because each time I was playing it the first was a solo run through just so I can get a handle of how the game worked. The second one was with Eric actually before we did D&D and he really enjoyed it and he said it would probably be better with more people and I'm like, I agree. I think it'll be, you know, because it plays up to five and then I got to play with Emily late late into the night, I think mm-hmm. last weekend or the weekend before because me mm-hmm. went to sleep. So <laughs> uh, this this game is part of the Arkham horror line of games by Fantasy Flight where they just kind of you know, um, the dice game, Elder Sign, the actual board game, Arkham Horror, and Eldritch Horror, and uh, the Arkham Horror card game. There's a whole bunch of Cthulhu-based, you know, games are with this theme around it With this, from the same creators, and they use the same artwork and the same kind of logos and such. This one is a modular app game in which you are little figurines on a board that continuously reveals more rooms that you place down uh, to explore these rooms and find clues and secrets and try to answer puzzles and mysteries. And you use the app to direct you where to go, where the bad guys are going to come in, to tell you how the story goes. And the app will read these things to you and tell you what dice to roll and tell you what to find. And it will play music in the background too to create an atmosphere. This game is a lot of fun and there's a lot of variability too. I played the first scenario three times and it was different almost every time. Uh, one time it was very similar but but kind of different. The other time it was drastically different. The story's the same, the characters showing up are the same but like the house changes and what you might find changes and the items you start with and the characters you use all have different abilities. And it's just, it's really neat because like you take damage by taking cards and when you flip the cards over it does more awful stuff to you it's just like really unique and uh i'm i'm glad i picked this up i'm really enjoying and i'm hoping to get a play in with more people so yeah emily what was your take on this since you got to play it
1: i love it it's almost like you know if you like betrayal in the house on the hill you will i feel like really like mansions of madness because it has similar ideas where you know you're revealing the house as you go and it changes. But I just feel like with the app and with, you know, what that brings to the game, there's really so, it makes it so much more interactive and so much of a story. And I just thought it was a really neat, it's different, and I just really enjoyed it. And it still had like the, you know, beat you down, yeah. you're going to lose of, you know, those Cthulhu-inspired exactly. <laughs> games. Um which I love because it's like a challenge.
0: Yeah. And also with the with the first edition, it was a one versus many game. So if the uh, overlord player got one thing wrong with it, it screwed up the whole entire game. So I love this edition of it.
3: This is a uh, big improvement of that. Oh. Yeah. Definitely. Absolutely. So that's my first game. Uh, the second game I want to talk about is a game called Cytosis. And this is a game I have played uh, with both uh, one-on-one with Anita, and then three together with Anita and Emily. Cytosis was a Kickstarter game. It was created by, uh, I'm going to say his name wrong, John Coveyu C- I believe. And I didn't realize this. He makes a lot of games based on science topics. He has another Kickstarter coming out for another one based on uh, atoms bonding together. Uh, he- he's done other biology games about different things, and they're all different types of games so one's a deck builder and one's a you know area control control or something like that and this seems to be the highest received one so far this one has the most like uh the highest praise so far the highest score on board game geek tom Vassell uh loved it in his review cytosis is a worker placement game a lot like uh lords of Waterdeep uh and other similar games like that and i don't i haven't played or or even own a lot of worker placement so in this game, you are pretty much a part of the body trying to get things to work in the cell, and the resources are mRNA, lipids, carbohydrates, and protein, and the money, the, the, the kind of thing that uses to finance everything and, and move things along is ATP, which is, I guess, the energy of the cells. And you have these cards, and if you fulfill the cards by getting certain things, you get points, which they call health. And as you 're playing this game, there's certain cards you can 't do until you send your little uh, a little like disc, which I guess is the, the the vesicle or ventricle vesicle, I think, and you put your things on there and then you bring it through the adventure through the cell until it, it reaches the end, and then you get your points, and that takes a lot of time but it 's like, "Oh, I made this thing and uh, there 's a lot of science, and <laughs> it runs very smoothly it was a little hard to understand how to play at first, but once you get it down, it kind of just it goes right by. Uh, But what I really loved about this game was how much Anita was enjoying it because she knows what all this crap is. And so she got to tell me about what each thing does. And I remember some of these very like a little bit from biology class in like eighth grade, but not very well. And, And it comes with a little booklet that explains everything. And I have like the 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 special Kickstarter edition that has like where everything's in a cool shape and it's not just cubes and it's a lot of fun and so Anita gets to tell me what all these things do and I'm looking at this and I'm like oh god there's billions of these in my butt making up my body and I'm creeped out but it's like did you say butt? There's
2: a million of these in your butt? Or did you just stop mid through body?
3: Di- I did I don't know did my microphone cut off?
2: <laughs> Maybe I misheard you I mean it just you know sure you
3: do you Jacob a million <laughs> in your butt to be fair, there's probably a million cells in my butt. Probably a million billion. Oh, I mean, I would say yeah, right? There has to be. <laughs> uh, this game is adorable. The art is really good. The quality of the contents is really good. Um, I, I really enjoy it. It's, very, it's a very light worker placement, I think. But mm-hmm. it can definitely have that moment of like, there will be moments of, oh, you took my spot mm-hmm. ahead of time. and And there's a little bit of challenge there. So, Emily, what did you think?
1: I love the game. I've had my eye on it. Um, since you got it, because it just looks so cute. Like, it looks so nice. I I love the art. And I just, I don't know, I was so intrigued by it, because I'm not really a science person, but I still really loved this game. And it still was very interesting. And I just love that they took something so educational and made it into, you know, when you think of an educational game, sometimes it's like, oh, you know, it's gonna be overly, you know, educational, it's gonna be, it's gonna be too focused on teaching rather than being a fun game and i thought it was a very enjoyable game so i just thought it was really neat
3: oh yeah and i think this could be used to teach that's how Mm -hmm. accurate Mm -hmm. and good it seems Mm -hmm. to be and if you look on the back of the rule book there's all these people who helped make it and play test it and they all have like doctor or phd in their name it's it's crazy so let's let's stick on that that medical biology front here and talk about a little game called pocket pharma now I kickstarted another game a while back called Dice Hospital, which should be coming out later this year, and I kickstarted it because it is a hospital theme, and again, I know that's one of Anita's favorite things, because again, she works in a hospital. So, uh, when I was getting the Kickstarter emails, they're like, oh, hey, we're also going to release this game called Pocket Pharma, and we want to kickstart it, but we want some playtesters. If you're interested, send us a thing. And I'm like, yeah, pharma, because that's what Anita does, is pharmacy. So... (laughs) Uh, I got the stuff, they sent it to me in a PDF, so I printed printed it out on really high quality paper, and uh, and so it could be shuffled a bit better, cut them all out by hand, and I asked people to come over to playtest it. So on that day, the only people who were able to playtest it with me at the time were Caitlin and Eric. So we playtested this game, I played it with Anita once, and then I played it with Anita and I think... Eric, and then Caitlin, Eric, and Anita played, and I watched them because I wanted to see how the game goes. This is a, it's a set collection numbers game. It's a lot like Splendor. It's a lot like Lanterns, actually. There are a bunch of numbers out, and you have about, I think, three or four actions on your turn, and you can either take a card, and then you stack these in three rows in front of you, kind of like in Bonanza, where you have two bean fields. They're just rows of of numbers. And so you have these rows of numbers. And then when you have five of them, if they meet one of the patterns that makes a drug, you can trade it in and get the points for the drug. So like if you have two pairs and one other one, that's like 15 points. Or if you have uh, five consecutive things like two, three, four, five, six, that will get you the cancer drugs. But it's not just that. It's just that you have to make sure when you're turning this in for the drug, there's things on each of the cards that are side effects and, oh, efficacy. You have to make sure that it's effective, and if it's not effective, then maybe you don't get as, you, you, you get less points, or if, it's, if there's side effects, you have to discard some of your other cards from your other work areas, and that depends on a lot of, you know, lower numbers have lower efficacy and lower side effects, higher ones have higher, so it's kind of a back and forth. I, I sent them some suggestions. Uh, it's interesting because, like, they're going to need to make it cheap, I think, to have it compete with something like Lanterns or something like Splendor because it does a lot what they do, but at the moment, the prototype art is not that exciting. And, uh, and, and like, if you're into the theme, then sure, that's great. But uh, the, it was funny watching Eric and Caitlin and Anita because Eric and Caitlin brought the game up to another level with their competitiveness. The game doesn't have a lot of like interaction with each other. It actually has no interaction. But like if you take a card, that means someone else won't get it. And it just they got aggressive in a game that was not aggressive. And it was the funniest thing I have ever seen. The three of them were having a blast playing it. So that's a good sign. When people are enjoying what they're doing there, that's always a good sign of a game. Uh, the interesting thing about Pocket Pharma, it is re-implementing a game that came out last year that kind of went under the radar. It was a big box game with a lot of other stuff. I, I believe the, inter- the person's name is uh, Chu Lan Kao. And he, this game is being redesigned by Brett J. Gilbert, who created a game called Elysium that was really popular a couple uh, years ago. Yeah. And it's one that Jeff got me for the holidays a while back. But he's well known for his designs and whatnot. So I'm, I'll am i be excited to see what the final product looks like. I may back the Kickstarter I probably will back the Kickstarter, but that is Pocket Pharma.
1: It sounded like y'all had a lot of fun. I remember I came in at the tail end because it was right before D&D, and it sounded like y'all had a lot of fun playing it. Yeah,
3: the they really seemed to enjoy it, and I and I liked it too, so it, it's interesting.
0: That sounds like a lot of fun. I'll keep my hat on it. The last game
3: here is Gloomhaven, the game I have that everyone wants and I still haven't actually played yet. Yesterday I decided, you know what I'm going to do with Gloomhaven, Jeff? What? I'm going to set it out. And just try to practice play the very first scenario so I understand how this game plays. And I watched the videos on how to play it. <laughs>
1: this sounds like it's going to go I, well. <laughs> I watched
3: some videos on how to play and I was reading the freaking like 50-page rule book. And I set everything out and it took – and here's the thing. I have all this stuff organized in one of those like Meeple Reality or whatever places that uh, – one of the people who make like wooden inserts for games for organization – And so it may go a little faster than it might have usually, but it still took a while. And I set everything out and I looked at the time and I'm like, I'm tired. I need to lay down. (laughs) So I, so I laid down to reread the rule book and I'm just like, I I don't, I don't get how people jump into this game. It's, I feel like it's incredibly overwhelming. And the more that I'm understanding it, the, the less confusing it seems, but I'm, I, I keep wondering if this is going to be the game for me, because it feels like it requires a lot of space and a lot of your time, and I know it's, like, the number one game right now, and Emily, I know Amy was uh, raving about yes. this game, and everyone's raving about it. I'm looking at mm-hmm. the Board Game Geek entry right now. It is number one for overall thematic strategy, and, like, the art's really cool, and... And like the understanding was really cool, but I have yet to really sink in my teeth. I was actually gonna—it's still set out on the table. I was gonna play around with it a little bit um, after this, but I'm just intimidated by this game. Still, it's—it's it's weird. I don't know.
0: So Jacob, if you don't want it, I'll happily take it off your hands.
3: Maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, no, I'm gonna—I'm gonna play around with it because I'm—I—I I'm, I need to see if this is gonna click with me, and it might. But if it doesn't, it's all yours, Jeff. And, and, like, I'm just thinking about this, and I'm thinking, you know, oh, Emily and, and Sean, you guys might enjoy this. You might want to play with us. Mm-hmm. But I'm also thinking, oh, my God, think of all the other games we're still working through, too. I
1: know.
3: Finally, I'm going to move on to the last game I have, and that is a board game called Patchwork. Patchwork is a two-player game. It is – if you look on Board Game Geek, it is the number two abstract and number two family game. So I got this for Christmas because uh, I figured Nita would like this and the theme and – It's a little bit of Tetris. You have the scoreboard in the middle and you surround the outside with all these pieces of, like, quilting, which are in, like, Tetris shapes and all different, like, T's and lines and boxes and zigzags. And they can be huge or small. And on your turn, you can, like, buy one that's in a certain space or you can kind of move your piece up ahead. And it's always whoever is in the last place gets to go on the board so what that means is someone could potentially buy a lot of pieces in a row without the other person going so there's all this kind of like back and forth of who's going to get the buttons and who's going to get the best pieces and do I have enough to afford this and then you you take these pieces and put them on your own board And you're trying to fill in as many spaces as possible because at the end of the game, you get negative two points for every open space you have, which just drives me nuts. And the reason it drives me nuts is I played this with Anita twice and she ended both times with a negative score, which I don't think made any sense. Because, like, she had filled the second time she filled it in as much as possible, and she did a really good job of it. It looked really filled in, but there were a couple spaces she couldn't get. And I had almost the same number of spaces, and yet I guess she didn't get enough things with buttons on them or something. So it was kind of hard for us to grok a little bit. Uh, I played it with Emily once, and it was a very similar situation. She, she filled in really well, and I think she ended up with a much lower score than I had. And I... That confuses me. Like... So clearly either we're not getting the strategy right. It's, it's not like, oh, man, I'm winning. I'm ready at this game. I'm wondering why it's so imbalanced.
1: Well, did you and Anita play again? Yeah. You so say you played more than once?
3: No, no, we've only played it those two times and haven't played it since. But now that I've given my opinion on it, I'm going to turn over to you guys because I lent this to you and I understand you've played it a couple times.
1: Um, I feel like the first time we played it, it was the same thing that we experienced in what you're talking about, where it felt like one person got a lot of buttons at the end and the other one didn't. But, Emily destroyed
2: me. But, <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I, you know. um, but I think, and Sean, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like Sean didn't realize the importance of buttons until about halfway through the game, and that really changed mm-hmm. kind of... Uh, he. I, I think once he went in the second game, knowing that, it really, we had a much more balanced game, and I feel like we had a much closer game the second time we okay.
2: played it. Yeah, I feel like I was more concerned with filling up my board, and then, like, you get that special amount of buttons for having a 7 by 7 square finished. And so, like, that was my goal, and so, like, I did that the first game, and then even at the end of the game, because I didn't get enough pieces with buttons on them, my total points was zero, and Emily had, like, yeah. 25 or 30 or something, so
3: it wasn't particularly close, but... Oh, as a, as a quick aside, uh, the very first game I played with Anita, I was trying to just explain all the rules, because it's not a very complex game, but, I, but there was a lot to talk about, I totally forgot to say that you get negative points for each open space because I forgot about it until halfway through the game and Anita's looking at her thing which had a million opens and she's like, she got got super mad at me. She's like, really? (laughs) And I'm like, sorry. So we had to play a second time. Uh, Also, one more thing. This game is made by Uwe Rosenberg who is better known for games like Agricola, Caverna, and a little game called Bonanza.
1: (gasps) What? My favorite.
3: Sean's like, get this out I know of my
1: he's house. like You'll <laughs> <start> it. <laughs> <laughs> All
3: right, sorry, go on guys. I didn't mean to interrupt there.
1: Um, I love patchwork because I felt like it was very simple, to the point, it's easy to set up, it doesn't take very long, but it's still fun and there's still you know, I, I enjoy Tetris and I so I enjoyed this game because I felt like I was kind of uh, you know, accessing the same parts of my brain where trying to fit in pieces together and So I, I really enjoyed it. Sean, what did you think?
2: I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah, like even like the first time when I lost, like it was frustrating how bad I got beat. Um, but I felt like I knew what I was doing wrong. Like after we kind of like talked about it, and so then the next game was a lot more uh, close or competitive. But I thought it was fun. I really enjoyed it. I definitely play it again.
0: Yeah, I haven't played this one yet, but I definitely will be looking into it. And, Jacob, going off of the uh, negative points thing, you know what game I don't think you would really enjoy? What's that? A Feast for Odin.
3: Okay, like, that's a point salad game, isn't it? It's
1: Point salad. It is a
3: point
0: salad game, but...
3: A point salad game is is a game where you just get points for, like, every <laughs> little thing you do, so... Like, um, it's a very typical, it's a Euro type thing where, oh, you did this, here's some points. Oh, you did that, here's some points. And there's really no way to that way. Everyone has a different strategy they can go towards different things. And a feast for Odin. I've seen this box. It has, I've seen this game. Aren't there like a million pieces?
0: Yeah, there are a million pieces, and you have like, like an insane amount of options you can take. Who, uh, Uwe also designed this, and it's a poly polyomino thing again. You start with negative fifty points.
3: (laughs) Well see, starting with negative doesn't bother (laughs) me so much. It's the fact that you really couldn't tell until the end of the game, Oh my god, I have negative points. (laughs) And it's like And if you look in the booklet with the example it gives, like, oh no, this person only lost like negative four points. They only had two open spaces. Meanwhile we're ending the game and there's like six to ten open spaces. And we're like, how the hell did that happen? (laughs) There's there goes twenty points.
0: (laughs) Oh no.
1: Taking a quick break from, because we do want to talk about co-ops, because I feel like um, Sean and I have really kind of opened the door to co-ops. I don't know why it took us this long, but it you know, two-player <laughs> co-ops. door and let it into your heart? I know. We finally are open to it. But before we get into that, um, we'll talk about a few video games we've been playing, specifically on the Switch, because the Switch is our ruler, and we've just bought a second Switch, so. <laughs> oh my god kind of where we're at right now um but i recently have jumped back into mario i beat the game a while ago and i know we've talked about this before you know especially compare uh sean and i compared to each other when we play games i'm more of a completionist he is not he goes straight through the story um and so with mario i feel like when i played it through the first time i i I was i was trying to get as much as i could i feel like i you know got like 85 90 of the stuff the first time um and so when i beat the game i was just kind of like i'm done because even though i'm a completionist when i beat a game it's rare that i'll keep going after that like when there's extra stuff like with um pokemon i know there was extra stuff after you beat the game and with um i'm trying to think like zelda and things like that like i just i'm just kind of done because I have so much to play. I just don't have time to keep going back. So I beat the game. haven't touched it. And then I think just from hearing like you talk about it a little bit and Sean went back to play it and I was like, I'll just kind of jump in, you know, just to kind of, just to see, just to, you know, And I wasn't really expecting anything and I got hooked all over again. The and first then,
3: hits always free.
1: I know. I know. I keep going back. I can't stop. Um, Now I am on a mission to get every single moon and every single purple coin. I had most of the purple coins, but definitely getting every single moon. And I just completely, like, didn't realize that those boxes opened up, like, 10 more moons, 20 more moons in Worlds. So I I feel like it's almost like playing the game for the first time again. Oh, my God. You didn't realize that about the boxes, the moon boxes? I think I heard it. But, again, I was so, like, checked out that I just was like, you know –
2: that doubles the game length. It does. It's gotta it really be more does. than that, like because, or I mean, I guess, I mean, I had nowhere near the amount of moons. Uh, I mean, I only had like 300 moons when I beat, you know, quote unquote, beat the game. Um, and like, I've gone back and got a bunch since, but Emily's crushing me in total moons right now. And I don't, I don't particularly like collectathon games or anything like that so for me to even go back i think says a lot about how you know addicting and how fun this game actually is
3: and anita has more moons than me now too she's she was playing for a while she has stopped lately but i think because she's reached the point now where the moons get really hard to get mm-hmm. and she gets frustrated and i understand because that's kind of where i stopped too because mm-hmm. uh, there's that level on the moon where you beat all the rabbits in a row and i'm like and you you don't get any health in between, I'm like, oh no.
1: Yeah. Uh, I keep I, dying. I just, <laughs> I went to darker side of the moon and I'm like, and that's more, that's kind of more, my stopping point right now. Um, yeah. But there there are some moons, like the racing ones, I've only been able to beat both the racing um like the little racing Koopa that's on each of the worlds, I've been only able to beat them on one world, and I'm always like Sean, beat it. Like I will try once and no, I'll epically I fail. And I'm not like hard. Sean, they, take it. They're not hard. Sean is they like a pro hard. at it. They're he super just hard. he just has to do it once, and he's like, okay, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> like crushes it. I did,
3: I tried the one in the freaking Hat World like eight times. I can't beat that one. Like it's just Sean,
1: uh, give I it to Sean. Them. Sean just, will do it them. for you. I you, will. You do yeah. Sean, can do this for me. That's literally me. And then there was the volleyball one on the Seaside Kingdom when you have to hit it a hundred times. I was like, I don't have time for this. (laughs) I was like, Sean, beat it for me. So anyways, Mario, back at it. Love the game. Love it. Um, A second uh, Switch game that I have recently started playing is Splatoon 2. And I'm finally, I feel like, joining (laughs) the Splatoon world. I feel like Splatoon became this... um, what do you call it? Not inter- not enterprise. What is it? What's it? the word I'm looking for? What, like Zelda and Mario and Pokemon? What are Franchise? Ones? Okay. Splatoon became a franchise that I was just, it was just under the radar for me because, and I think Sean has the same viewpoint as I do, um, where it was like, oh, it's for the kids that are playing Nintendo now. Like, it's not for, like, I just felt like, you know, I wasn't going to get into it. It didn't seem like for me. Um... But it was an E3, I think it was last year, the year before I watched the Splatoon tournament. And I was like, wait a minute, this actually looks pretty fun. And I think I wanna try this out. So we ordered it for Gamefly, not sponsored. (laughs) Um, We got it for Gamefly so I could try it out risk-free before laying down the $60 or whatever it is for it. And I love it, I love it. It reminds me of Jet Set Radio. Because it, the art style is very urban and kind of you know that kind of cartoony art style, and you're you know the same theme of you're defacing public property, so <laughs> um, <laughs> you know little rebels, <laughs> and but it also kind of has a mix of Overwatch because it's like a team game very heavy online i i don't know i just started getting into it and i think there might be a story like i played like a little mission that so it seems like there's a little story but the main focus is the online multiplayer which at first i was like i don't know I i don't really know about that but i really have enjoyed it it's really easy and i don't know it's just fun so pleasantly surprised with splatoon
3: isn't the joke that all the kids are playing Call of Duty and all the adults are playing Splatoon? Isn't that the oh, thing? Like, I didn't know that was the joke. Yeah, like they're designed for each other's like you know that's target funny. base, but like that's how it that's how it works. I don't know. That's what I heard.
1: Huh? Yeah, that's funny. I, I could see that.
2: There's something just about the aesthetic that just makes me not want to play, and it's not necessarily that it's like a kitty style game or anything like that because i mean i play lots of like cartoony and like look like they're designed for children games but something about splatoon like i don't know if it's just the spreading paint um as opposed but it's like a shooter but you're actually just spreading paint like i don't Um, know it just doesn't seem to grab oh i'm sorry ink you're You're right (laughs)
1: duh Oh, that's the thing? Yeah. I thought they were a... just playing paintball. No, you're a squid and so you're spreading ink everywhere so that you can get in squid form and you can swim around and recharge your ink and then
3: Oh wait, is this like is this like ink from their bodies like an actual squid? Like are, they, like, well, are it's they a gun shooting each other with organic matter? Yeah,
1: basically. they have a
2: gun arm or something like that, and then they shoot their insides everywhere.
3: That's super gross. That's weird. This is for
2: kids.
1: You know, I would like to I would like to look into the history of like how Splatoon came to be because The squids remind me of the squids from Mario Like Super Mario Sunshine Mario They remind me of that in a way I wonder if it Like they're like oh I don't know they got Oh like with that that
3: kind of like paint mechanic that they do The one that Yes They Mm -hmm. they do it in Odyssey a little bit With uh, the plants Mm -hmm. that spit the Mm -hmm. stuff
1: But in Super Mario Sunshine it was squids that did it and So I wonder if it came from that I don't know Mm -hmm. But yeah Just spreading ink everywhere Okay, so that was Splatoon. Sean, do you want to go ahead and talk about your other switch before we talk about our co-op game?
2: Yeah, so uh, my switch, uh, first of all, totally sucks, and I'm sending it in for repairs right now uh, because I wanted to register it and do the warranty claim like two days before I actually had it for a year and the warranty would expire. Um, Because now we have a second switch now, and so that made me realize how bad mine was doing. Um, but to send it off, I decided to get Celeste, um, which I've heard a lot from when I listen to like kind of funnies podcasts, they're really into it. Um, and it's like this, like eight bit style game. If you've ever played something like super meat boy, it's super similar to that. Um, in the fact of it's like a really like brutal platformer and the fact that you're gonna die a lot, but you, you always feel like. Oh, I learned what I did wrong. I think I can do it better. And then you just keep dying. Um, so I looked up how many times I died during my first playthrough. And it was 1,114 times. What? In a six-hour game. So, it's a lot. <laughs> wow. um, and, you know, I... So, then you also collect uh, strawberries. Are there, like, thing that you collect during the game? And I think there's 120 of them. And I got 53 on my first playthrough. And, you know, I, I got most of the ones that I saw. There were times where I'd walk into a room and just be like, I'm not dealing with this. Because I would always play it at night right before bed. And there would reach a point where I'd be like, I just want to finish the level. But it, it's really fun. It's like a really cute game. Um, one thing that's really cool about it compared to Super Meat Boy is that there's like a threaded storyline throughout. So you meet different characters and there's some dialogue. One of the chapters is almost entirely dialogue. And it, it's just really fun. And it, it I mean, it kind of touches on some more like mature topics rather than what you would assume just from looking at the game or from knowing it's a platformer. Um, so the storyline is really cool. It's really pretty once you're actually getting to play. They use colors really well in the game. And there's a lot of like unique like playing like styles. Like each level has like a different like theme. And there's kind of like different ways you interact with the world in each chapter. And it ties it together really well to make it really brutal but really good. And I was looking up. Uh, so on how long to beat. The average time to beat it is seven hours. So I was below that. Um. It's But to get all the collectibles in the game, the average time is 32 hours. Probably not going to go back and do that. Um, it's really good. Like, it's one of the best platformers I've played maybe ever. It's really good and really addicting.
3: I would definitely recommend it for everyone. I might check that out then. I'm, I'm into platformer type things and good stories and whatnot.
1: I remember watching Sean play it, and I would, like, look over while I was playing Mario, and it looked so cute. Like, it, it, I... I don't, the 8-bit style, which, Sean, isn't that what most of the game is kind of in?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The There's, like, character pictures, which are, like, just hand-drawn or whatever, but the game is 8-bit.
1: Which I, for whatever reason, I kind of mm-hmm. get it, I'm, like, turned off for, like, I don't really, I don't know, I don't know, I just don't really like it. But every time I play a game, because Sean makes me, I'm like, oh, this is actually really good. Like, what was the Kingdom one? Like, the, were you a knight? Shovel Knight, maybe?
2: Uh Yeah, there was Shovel Knight.
1: I don't know. I can't remember. I don't know. But the character, the little character illustrations and like the scenes, oh, it looked so precious. So I think I'm going to definitely check it out.
3: Well, yeah, I just did a Google image search for Celeste and a lot of models just came up. So I think I need to specify Celeste game.
1: No, that's no, you're right. You're right. It's the models. You're right.
3: It's not like
2: technically 8-bit. It may be better to say like 16-bit or so because there's a a mini game in the game where they make it 8-bit. I mean, it's still really pretty. It's got very retro graphics, but they do a lot of cool, unique stuff that they couldn't have managed back then. Um, And the the controls are just... The the game controls really well. The only thing I wish is that I always prefer playing platformers with a D-pad. And so it may be better to play this game with like a pro controller or something um, because the Switch Joy-Con doesn't have a D-pad. It just has those four buttons which is not good for platforming, and then the the joystick is good enough. But it, there were times where I was just like, if I only had a D pad, I'd be able to make this a lot easier.
3: Oh, this is the one where that girl's trying to climb the mountain.
2: Yeah, so that's the whole thing. Is the you're trying to climb Celeste Mountain, um, and it's like her experience throughout the climb and everything. I mean, it's it's so good. I, I can't say enough how you know how much I enjoyed playing it, um, and I don't know what the the critical response to it um, at large is I'm about to search it uh, right here on Metacritic. Oh, it's got a 93 on Metacritic. So is pretty amazing. Uh, it seems like everybody pretty, pretty much loves it. And like, to me, the style of like retro graphics and stuff feels so much more at home at, on Switch, mainly because I play the Switch in handheld mode rather than on TV. And so by playing it in handheld mode, like I feel like having like those kind of graphics just kind of takes me back and it feels so natural as opposed to playing on a 65 inch you know 4k tv and seeing those graphics and then playing horizon right after you're kind of like Ooh. <laughs> um i'm too spoiled but i feel like I, on switch it feels at home
3: you're just playing games with red-headed protagonists is what's going on
2: Yes, that's uh, I actually only play games with red-headed females as the protagonist now. Um, I really think that there's not enough representation uh, so I'm only playing these from now on so yeah, so uh it's really good. you should check it out. It's only like 20 bucks too. it's definitely definitely worth it
3: but yeah. I think I will.
2: Oh, also, thank you, uh, everyone in the entire world involved with this game for not putting it out on 3DS instead of Switch. Oh my
0: gosh! A piece thank you.
3: Let's have a little bit of some, some
2: snaps,
0: Yay. Some snaps support. Bring it to 3DS. <sighs> Jeff, I okay, swear to God,
2: if I could set every 3DS in the world on fire, I would 100% do it without <laughs> any. Any thought of who it's harming.
1: Well see, and I, I enjoyed the three DS. And we're not to get off into another tangent, but I enjoyed the three DS. But now that the switch is here, it's time for everyone to move on. Okay, and okay, Gatsby just jumped on my keyboard, so um all right. Well Gatsby's
3: a three DS fan, so there you go.
1: Okay. Um, now it's time to jump in to our co-op adventure. Sean and I, like I said, we opened a door to two-player co-op, or not, I, I'm saying co-op. That's really not what I mean. Two-player games. That's what I'm really trying to say.
3: Oh, that's a very different I thing. know.
1: I don't know why. I think I was thinking co-op video games, where it's two-player, you know? I, I think that's what. Oh, that's where my mind was. Oh, okay, yeah. Um. But we opened the door to two-player games. I don't know why it took us so long. I think because in the past, I've wanted to play... Like when I wanted to play a game, I wanted to play like a legit, like a big, you know, intense game. And it just felt for two people setting it all up, you know, I don't know. We just never really got into that. We would just wait till we had more people. But we recently got Seven Wonders Duel for Christmas. Thanks, Mom. Ever since then, we have just been trying all the two-player games we can and spending a lot more time playing two-player board games, which has been so much fun. One of those in particular has been Codenames Duet. Um, we recently purchased that because we love Codenames. Like that is like one of our favorite games because it's so easy to play with anyone, even if they're not board game people, and it always leads to laughter and a fun time. So we've bought Codenames Duet, and it is a lot of fun. I, I was a little worried it really how is. it was going to work with just two people instead of teams, but it, <laughs> it has been. Very enjoyable.
2: Yeah, I like it a lot. They they change the rules up um, to where mm-hmm. it's still, like, really fun and, like, challenging for both people. Um, and mm-hmm. there's kind of, like, a little mini story mode you can do where they mm-hmm. change the rules for so each, neat. like, level or play city. you have. Um, yeah, you're traveling around the world. Well, it's because
1: you're, you're, like, spies, right? So it's each city. There's a different kind of criteria you have to do to get that city.
2: And so that's really fun. Um, that's like one of the more fun ones we've played recently, mm-hmm.
3: um, I feel like. No, I haven't played it yet. I am I'm, I'm, i haven't really heard much about it. I'm kind of excited to give that a shot now.
1: Oh, my gosh. Well, maybe, you know, we'll just bring it over. It's, it's two-player. Now, it's interesting because it's two-player, but it says in the rule book you can play with, like, a normal group of people, like Codenames, and you can still play with the different mechanics. It would just be just like Codenames, team versus team. So this you know, interesting. But... Yeah, maybe we can just bring it by and y'all can see. Have you played, Jeff?
0: No, I haven't, but mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of good things about mm-hmm. this one. Mm-hmm. Definitely going to be on my uh, short list to uh, try.
1: And it's easy. It's just like, I mean, it's cheap. It's pretty inexpensive. It's quick. So I just it has all the things that we love about Codenames and just even more.
2: And then the other ones we've played this week were Patchwork, which we've already talked about. Um, and then we played... The eventful game of the week uh, in what? Raptor, um, which <laughs> yeah. now I'm, I'm going to be honest. Uh, when Emily played this with Jacob, uh, I was told, I think by both of them, that like, "Hey, Sean, I really think you'll like Raptor." Um, <laughs> and I'm going to be honest with you, I don't no. really like Raptor. No. I think no. I don't know that I've ever been angrier no. while yes. playing a game than playing <laughs> Raptor. It's, I just, and, like, the more and more I think about it is, like, because the reason everyone thought it would be good is because, like, I normally like games where you kind of, like, are you get to be combative against another player, Um, but I was talking with Emily about it last night, and I think that I tend to like it when, like, that's not the only objective of the game, like, when you're doing other stuff, and then you can be combative, kind of, like, in sight or something like that. Or when your combativeness is really, you know, you're doing what's best for you rather than trying to outthink your opponent and like kind of like come down and crush on them. Uh, Where like in small (laughs) world, you're like, there's a limited amount you can do um, to like spread your tribe out. But in Raptor, literally every decision you make is to be like, I just kind of wanna screw this person over. Like, because you have to outthink them in order to get your move played and I, I one don't think I'm very good at the game but the main problem isn't that I don't think I'm very good it's that I don't think I'm very good and I don't see the way that I'm going to improve like I, the improvements I was making were so minimal that I was just like getting frustrated and frustrated and I mean I'm gonna play it again and give it another chance but whew, I, I, it just made me realize that that's like one of my least favorite game mechanics is just trying to like essentially crush the other person and outsmart them in a like a one-on-one thing like I like kind of when there's a, a in like when there's four players doing something I feel like it doesn't bother me because you're like trying to outsmart everyone and not everything's directed at you but when somebody's so much better than you and like I've only played Emily and we played like four times in a row and it was just like getting pummeled it was brutal.
1: Well, and to be fair, to be fair, we when we played, you know, I've only played once, I chose to be the scientist because kind of like, I think, Jacob, what you were trying to do is saying, you know, first place should play Raptor because that's like what people want to play, you know, when they first hear the game. So, I was like, you know, Sean, you be the Raptor, you know, so you can enjoy it. And so, I didn't really 100% understand all of my actions and moves. And so, And there were a couple of things in the rules that we just didn't realize. So it was like each game we left off something or we didn't do something correct, which probably gave me an unwieldy advantage. And so I feel like the third and fourth time we actually played like true games, to be fair. So it's not like I feel like I just completely demolished all of them. I just the last two.
3: (laughs) Did you have the same scientist put a, a raptor to sleep and then capture it?
1: no i knew that Okay, because that's a mistake
3: that. that jeff and i made when we first played
1: the mistake that i kept making was when i would put a raptors to sleep i didn't necessarily put them on the tile that i was on or adjacent to i don't think i did that super often but i think there were several times when i did do that when i would put a raptor to sleep that was on the other side of the board you know i just didn't
2: yeah i mean i feel like there was a learning process for the rules like not even mm-hmm. necessarily ones that were played oh, wrong. Oh, and then the reinforcements, um, yep. Yeah, so the reinforcements we put in the wrong spot. But, like, just, like, especially... The, so the first time on the playthrough, I misheard the directions when we were going over them, and so I thought she could only do one aggressive action per turn rather than per turn per scientist. And so, like... That ended super quick just because I was like, oh, she can only put him to sleep. It'll be okay. But then she put him to sleep and then the other scientist knocked him out, uh, which was like, or took him. So it was the end of the game and it was fine. It's just like, man, it, it frustrated me.
3: I think this is a reflection at more on just how engrossing the game really is in terms of the strategy. I think mm-hmm. it comes off as not being very complex until you realize there's a lot.
2: Yeah, going on. I mean, I will say it takes a lot of strategy. I felt like Yeah,
0: there's a lot.
2: The way I was approaching the game like cuz I would try and think through, okay, what is Emily going to do in this situation? And I just realized we play so vastly differently that I was wrong almost every time when I was like trying to predict what she would do. And I don't know if she was like thinking what I would do or think about that and then try and surprise and do something different. Or whether it was just we think about how to play this game differently. And with that, I was like either not getting to do actions or I was barely getting to do anything. And it was just a rough experience.
3: I'd like to watch you two play this. I'd like to see how that comes across.
1: And I know we're trying to wrap up, but I I told Sean, he should try playing as a scientist. And I wasn't trying to say like, Oh, it's going to make a huge difference. But what I've noticed just from our, you know, those few playthroughs is that the scientists can easily set themselves up to capture, you know, a baby Raptor in like one move, like it only need one action point to do something that's going to help them end game whereas the raptor is kind of harder to set yourself up in that way at least from what i noticed from playing both sides so
2: have you guys switched yet no, no
1: well
2: <laughs> so the reason we didn't is because like no, the first 3 games i was adamant, uh, I, like yeah. i want to learn how to be better at one side before i switch over to the other side cuz otherwise i feel like i'm just going to suck on both but in turn i just continued to suck at one so
3: yeah it was my fault i was trying to improve as the raptor i did not guys thank you so much we talked about a lot today in a very short time that was really cool thank you all for joining us today we hope to hear from you guys later on if you're listening please drop us a line let us know if there's anything you'd like us to talk about if you have any questions uh if you want to talk about how i'm totally right about everything that would be cool that'd be cool of you (laughs) Uh, once again i'm jacob i'm jeff i'm sean I'm Emily. will right, have a good one. Bye. Bye.
0: Let's get it that down.